Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. What is happening, everybody? I'm Larry Roberts. And I'm Sarah Lucy. And this is Brandon, your comprehensive guide to creative branding. And on this episode of the podcast, we have an amazing guest with us today. His name is PT, and he is the owner and founder of FinCon, a, a massive creator conference for those that are in the finance space. So hopefully we're going to learn some ins and outs of how we manage our brand from a financial and even tax perspective. So PT, thanks for joining us, man. Larry, Sarah, it's good to be on with you guys. Happy to have you. You So you, uh, your background was actually as a CPA and you just recently got back into practicing as a CPA, right? Yep, it's a little bit of a wild story, but definitely, uh, definitely have my CPA and accounting uh, degree. Came up through college with that, and uh, spent some time in public accounting, um, and then jump. You're right, jumping back in. Yeah, and congratulations! I know you're opening a new practice and are taking over your father's practice. Yeah, yeah. So what's I'll let, I'll let you in on it. Uh, so certainly, my dad's had a had a firm for several years, and um, it it uh, it just became apparent to me that. You know, it was going to be me taking it over or no one else. And so uh, I'm jumping back into the the, uh, the CPA firm business. It's a great firm, with, uh, young staff, and we're turning it into a virtual firm, right? My dad had more of a physical location serving clients in the Branson, Missouri area. Uh, but we're going to sort of turn that virtually. Um, I've been I've been in the uh, sort of the Internet business world for the past 15 years. So I'm very comfortable like marketing online and serving clients online. And so that's kind of where we're going to be shifting the firm. So I'm excited about jumping back then with actually client services and actually turning the firm potentially into a firm that serves specifically online creators. So we're going to be taking people from FinCon um, and offer them a bookkeeping and tax solution um, to help them uh, throughout the year. So that's the idea. Yes, please. That's cool, man. Uh, you know, it's funny, and I don't even think Sarah knows this story, but Coming right out of high school, I was a little confused. Didn't know exactly what I was going to do. No, I know that. And well, yeah, you know that part. But <laughs> I was actually enrolled to uh, go to DeVry of all places, DeVry to be a CPA. I thought nice. that CPA was was my path in life. Now today, I can barely sp- look at look at that look at the look on her face. She's super <laughs> perplexed. She's like, "Bro, you barely pay your taxes, man." All right, you Seriously. <laughs> I've you seen didn't make it book. very far, I know huh? Numbers aren't your thing. But yeah, I, honestly, it was. And I was enrolled in DeVry, but uh, ended up having a kid instead. So that's, it, ah. it worked out a little different. Yeah. That'll do it. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I, I definitely didn't. I didn't take the, the traditional career path either. I was I was more of a natural marketer and like you. And so even in my time working in the firms, um, it was apparent that like I was probably more suited to be on the entrepreneur side, after I would do a tax return for for a business owner or a, um, a real estate investor or something, I kept saying to myself, "Ooh, I want to be this kind of person one day." You know, the, the person I'm doing the return for. And I would I told my partner that one time, and he said, 
that's crazy. I actually want to be this, not one of the entrepreneurs. And so he's like, you should probably go be an entrepreneur for a while before you help help people out with their finances. But yeah, See, that's kind I'm of the I opposite. <laughs> I never thought I would ever own a business or do anything because I was so afraid of the taxes and mm. all of that that goes into it. So kind of jumping into that, what is the first thing or like the your best tips for yeah. someone that is like us taking that entrepreneurial journey, launching sure. an LLC or becoming self-employed? How do we even get started in a way that'll make tax time easier? So uh, certainly as a business owner, you want to focus primarily on sales and marketing up front to get clients in, get business going. But if you've done that, if you've sort of proven out the model, cash is coming in, you're like, okay, this is a true business and I'm, I'm getting going. Um, you, what you'd probably want to do before the end of the year or as soon as possible is, is spend some time separating your business from your personal financial endeavors. So when you first started, they were probably sort of commingled. You just had one checking account, one savings account, and didn't have anything really established. So as much as possible, wall off the business from your personal life. So I suggest um, if you're not opposed to credit cards, if you're comfortable using cards, paying them off every month, first step I always sort of suggest is to uh, is to maybe get a business credit card and start moving the business expenses through that initially. That'll at least wall off the expense side, which is typically where the more the volume of the finances of the business is. And then if that's at a bank or at an institution that also offers a checking account, go ahead and take the step of get that going as well. So you've got sort of the tool to use to run the business through to a degree. And then you've got the account to sort of start holding, you know, the inbound uh, cash that's coming in. Um, Let me jump in there real quick, PT, because yep. I think a lot of people miss out on the differentiation between having a personal checking account and a business checking account really when it gets down to the focus of having, and you mentioned the credit card, and that's really what kind of triggered this, was having personal credit cards and business credit cards. There, your credit rating for the two are entirely different. Can mm -hmm. you kind of educate us there on that process a little bit? Yep. Well, uh, certainly talk to the financial institution who's rolling it out. But I would say that uh, for the most part, any new business that you start, the bank or the institution is going to be, it's going to be associated with your uh with your social security number. So there will be so, somewhat of a personal check against that credit. However, so if you let, have let, an, and, and I, I'm so sorry, I don't mean to jump in, but I just want to differentiate. So you're talking about, it sounds like you're talking about from more of a DBA perspective than if you go out and establish an LLC. Is that, right. is that the difference there? Yep, exactly. Okay. It, okay. It, because we hadn't got there yet. You know, I think the right. account is probably a good space first just to do it. And gotcha. that's going to be, you can get a business credit card, but it's going to be certainly tied to your name and your social security number. So before you get what's called an EIN, an employer um, identification uh, number. number. Yeah, yeah, yeah. From from the IRS, uh, then um, it's going to be hard for you, I guess, to establish that that business line of credit or or a, a credit card associated with purely the business. So, and I laugh there. I laugh there, PT, because um, I've always been a side hustle kind of guy. And I literally used to, I had a website called taxidsolutions.com. Nice. And look at, look at Sarah. She's so disgusted in them. <laughs> but I would, I would help people establish their EIN numbers. Help right. is a very strong word here. <laughs> no, no. Because, you know, if a lot of people don't know how to establish an EIN, they don't know how to go get their tax ID number, which is synonymous with an EIN number. And so I had a website that 
for a small fee, I would direct you where you needed to go. So I was I more of it. an information outlet. Uh, and I would say, hey, you want your tax ID? Go right here. And I would buy Google ads at the time. And I was doing the pay-per-click campaigns and tax ID solutions was at the top of Google. So if you typed in tax ID, my website came up first. Click there. He sold them a link to the website <laughs> that you set it up. That is what he did. Uh, that's that's Just, a, You pay me for the service to how is click that, here. How is that not a service? They didn't know where to go. I gave them directions. It was. I, I still don't understand how it wasn't a service. I love it. I actually really love that because the process the process can be uh, difficult and yes and if you throw in the LLC component if you're like okay I need the ID number plus the LLC then you're dealing with the states so you've got a sort of a federal federal uh, deal and we all know government websites aren't necessarily the best at directing so where to go and how to set set things up uh, and then on the LLC side you've got uh, the state that you're dealing with and every state does it differently so there's there is a lot of handholding that is is needed to be done i i guess for for upstart business owners there and i when i went through the process the first time i actually wrote a blog post about it so in a similar way i kind of shared that process on my blog walking us through these exact steps bank account credit card slash bank account then the ein then the uh, llc I and, think I did this backwards. And then and then you've got uh and then you've and then you've got uh the, really the the bones of the skeleton of of like a good business setup at that point. So that's that's basically the bare minimum I would say you'd want to have. Uh the LLC part can come a little later um if you want to maybe fully establish the business to do that, but that helps in terms of like continue to separate the business and the um uh, and the personal side, it helps with uh, spreading the liability of the business around. The LLC is a limited liability company. So, yeah, I think having that set up next is probably a wise thing. So was I set up my LLC, got my tax ID number, and then set up all the bank accounts and the credit card. Did, did I do it wrong? No, no, no. That's fine. That's fine. I just don't want the legalities of those two things to slow the business owner down and to um, immediately have them separate. Because then at that point, once you have the ID number in the LLC, you may want to then go establish like a, um, a true business account or a true business line of credit or whatever. But mm -hmm. entrepreneurs just need to get going and they just separate it as, as quick as possible. Focus on sales and marketing. And yeah. now since I'm an LLC and I'm like the sole proprietor or whatever, however you say it, I'm, these are big words for me. Um, when I go to file my taxes, am I actually filing them together? Like I don't file the business taxes separately you don't you don't necessarily have to so the way it works is so if you establish the llc what you'll do is you'll fi still file your 1040 but you'll add on a schedule c um, for that for that year's filing and the schedule c is where you put all the income and expenses associated with that business now you don't have to have an llc to um to file the the schedule c you can do that just as if you have a business running to just just if you're running a business, that's where you would put the profit and loss from that business on there. But if you have the LLC and it's a single member, meaning you're the only member of that LLC, then you would also put that on a Schedule C. The only exception is if we're getting in sort of the weeds here already. But if you were to <laughs> um, but, but, so the way the LLC works from a tax perspective is it's considered especially for the single member LLC, it's considered a pass-through entity. And so the IRS basically ignores it. 
and says, okay, here's this extra sheet you can put all your business income on. You can be an LLC or not. We don't care. But that's where all your business income goes on that Schedule C. And then that's going to pass over to your 1040 and you'll still pay taxes on it just like you would uh, for for any other type of source of income. The only exception, though, is, is if you get into what's called an S-Corp. So you establish yourself as an LLC filing your taxes as an S-Corp. And what that does is it puts you into uh, a corporation status with a, a single corporation status with the IRS. And so you would then move your business over into a different form, an entirely different tax form. You still do your 1040 personally, but then you have an 1120S for the uh, the business. And so, and then you'd, the 1120S would be due on March 15th. The 1040 due on April 15th, and then you would marry those two up to file your personal return. So subtle difference. S-Corp status election is not something a new entrepreneur necessarily needs to worry about, but at some point it makes sense. And I can explain the reason that it makes sense, if you'd like, down the road in this conversation. It might be too heady for everyone at this point. My brain it's already little, hurts. Yeah, it's a little it's a little deep. I think, you know, what what I, I would kind of be interested in and, and, and hopefully some of our listeners would be interested in is, you know, as an entrepreneur and somebody that's established their brand and, and they're still trying to get their footing, taxes can definitely be a very intimidating aspect of what we do. But I think the, the, what a lot of people are looking for is those deductions. Yeah. Talk to us about and what are some of the things that we can save money on yeah. by having a business account and being entrepreneurs? Because, I mean, cash flow is always a struggle, especially as an early on entrepreneur. That cash flow can sure. be very, very tight. And if we can write some of these things off or save money, uh, I think that's to our advantage. So could you give us some insight there on some of the things that we may overlook that some of the most common deductions that people don't take into account? Sure, absolutely. Um, so certainly setting up the a separate account helps because then you can identify what your expenses are and whatever thing is that's associated with the business. And then as you're pulling that card out, it sort of triggers you to say, oh, is this associated? If this is this, you know, meal associated with something with the business? Is this thing I'm buying for my office associated with it? So it, it puts you in the mindset of like looking for these types of deductions. Um, but that's the normal everyday average spending. So anything you spend, what's called ordinary and necessary is the IRS language. If it's an ordinary or necessary expense associated with their business, you can deduct it on your Schedule C or on that uh, as part of that S, S Corp uh, through the 1120S that I mentioned. But what are the outside of the box things, right? So you, you're going to have your standard expenses, your, you know, anything associated with the business. Um, but what are some of, the, some of the outside of the box things? Maybe at the end of the year, you're like, okay, I want to um, maybe add on some expenses or do some things to save uh, money on my taxes, like you mentioned. So a couple of things through the years that I've done is focus on accelerating my expenses. So I'll look at what I would maybe spend in the first quarter of the next year and maybe try to accelerate some of those expenses. And when I, what I mean is basically like if you're going to a conference that you know you're going to next year, then go ahead and buy that ticket for that conference. Like FinCon. Like, yeah, yeah, I said FinCon, right. but being the professional I, that I am, I was muted. So uh, <laughs> that worked out really well. <laughs> yeah. So, so accelerate some of your expenses. That's the way to think about it. Of course, that affects next year's taxes. So you're sort of always playing that acceleration game if you go down that route. Some other big ideas are uh, not to not to forget the fact that you have a home office. Um, mm -hmm. And oftentimes people think, well, it's not, I'm not paying rent, so I don't necessarily have to, uh, I, I can't deduct that. But no, you can, you can deduct 
the extent See, and, of- and, and that's something where I, every year I try to deduct my office, my studio, because this is my home studio. I mean, it's literally a room in my house that is my studio. Plus, I have another space that I do all of my development and actual real work goes on in a totally different room. But every time I do my taxes, it comes back as I don't qualify to write it off. Hmm. And it's super frustrating. I don't know how I, I know I have to be doing something wrong. But mm-hmm. it's it, yeah, because I, I get zero deduction. It, no matter what I claim. I mean, I've, I've claimed the whole square footage of the house and it still goes, nah, you're good. You're not getting a deduction. I don't, I don't know what I'm doing wrong there. And I know you can't answer that today, PT, but yeah. I mean, just as an example, it's, it, 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 those types of deductions kind of frustrate me, but I think some, someone like yourself could help yeah. other entrepreneurs that might be falling into that same rut. Yeah. Yeah. Well, in schedule C, they have two methods you can use to uh, deduct that home office. There's sort of a simplified version, which basically takes, I think, $5 a square foot for the room. Or there's sort of a, a more complex version, which kind of takes into effect like some of your actual expenses associated with it. So there's two ways you can calculate it, but there there may be some limitations, like you said, that might apply to your particular situation that may prevent you from doing that. But um, And also maybe the software um, that you're using. So, um, yeah, good old TurboTax. Know. <laughs> uh, I, yeah it might be worth visiting uh, a cpa to to look through it and see you know why that limitation is happening try to understand that a little deeper but yes home office something you always should try to uh, deduct every year the vehicle that you used for your business so if you went if you drove it to conferences if you drove it to meet clients if you you know use it as part of your business then certainly you should be deducting that as well so those are two big items car and home and then some additional levers you can pull are, uh, and these are massive actually, are, are the first one is retirement accounts for your business. So just like you have, if you had an employee or, you know, regular job and you had access to a 401k at that job, you can set up the same thing for your individual business. And so the solo 401k or the SEP IRA or the simple IRA are three types of accounts that you can establish for yourself as a business owner. There's differences between the the three there, depending on if you have employees or not, but basically it allows you to defer some of your income. So let's say at the end of the year, your business bottom line made $50,000 and you want to take some of those funds and put them toward your retirement instead of giving more of that over to the IRS. Uh, you can establish a solo 401k and that has massive uh, deductive deductions available to it. Not only because you're the employer and the employee in this situation, you get to actually deduct uh, the contributions on both sides and uh, looking to the solo 401k is, is a good option, especially if you don't have employees, like you can really defer a lot of your income into the future. That means you also need to save that money. You don't have access to that money, but uh, my thought has always been through the years. I'll say, I'd rather save it for my future than give it over to the IRS. And so that's a big one. Another big one is uh, charitable contributions. So um, if you've got a charity, associated with your business or just personally that you're into utilize the end of the year as a good time to give some of those funds to a charity versus giving to the government to ultimately dole it out based on their wants and wishes. Another one is just to something you mentioned earlier was to, are there any new pieces of equipment, new vehicles, new things that you know, you're going to need for the business, you know, now may be a good time to buy those. Now don't let what they say, uh, is letting the the tail wag the dog here. Like, don't go out and buy something just because you think it's going to save you on taxes. Only buy things if 
it truly will help your business and move you move your business Dang forward. It, PT, man, <laughs> it was great having you as a guest. We appreciate you coming up today. But uh, yeah, no, I'm just kidding. No, it, it's funny. Just you say hit the, the nail on the head with Larry. <laughs> no, it's like, man, put me in my place right out of the gate. Uh-huh. But, but no, it, it's because it, you do. You can be tempted by those things, especially when you're listening to people. You know, there's so many influencers out there that we look at as being super successful and they have all these these tax breaks and these uh, different angles where they're leveraging certain tax breaks. But so many times we don't take into account as, you know, newer entrepreneurs that maybe those same tax breaks aren't necessarily going to work for us. So I I think that I love what you're saying there. You know, keep it keep it basic. Keep it simple as possible and don't try to you're going to find yourself in some hot water. And, you know, I'm, I'm speaking at that from a little bit of experience. There was a time where I didn't quite pay enough. And this what got me was they didn't even tell me till three years later. I had no idea that I owed the IRS money until three years after the fact. And of course, by the time they come back, there's interest and penalties. And now I'm on a payment plan for the next five years. And it felt like I was never going to get out from under that. Um, and, but I did eventually. But if you can avoid those pitfalls right out of the gate, uh, of yep. course, that's going to be much more beneficial in the long run. I think it's important once you establish that 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 checking account, maybe throw in on an extra savings account associated with it and start stashing some of that, uh, that income over in there. 10, 15 percent of your earnings should probably go over there to that to get ready for the tax bill at the end of the year, because. If you're if you're earning if you're earning uh, the money yourself and it's coming in through 1099 type of payments, then you're responsible for those for those taxes. And so mm-hmm. you need to be stashing it aside. Jumping back to the home office deductions. So my home office is I mean, obviously it's in my house. So I'm using the same electricity, like all of those, like the same um, utilities. Mm-hmm. Can I deduct my whole utility bills or can I only do like. A, a, like a piece of it sure it's a it's a percentage based on the square footage of your home of your office compared to the rest of your home mm-hmm. so let's say your um your home office is 100 square feet and your house is a thousand square feet so you're working with 10 percent of your expenses at that point uh, that you can deduct is uh, anyone from the irs going to come and measure my office <laughs> they're not they're Good not. to know. <laughs> um, I mean, I don't know. They might, but I doubt it. Um, what was I going to say? Um, just make sure that <laughs> it is. It is important that the space. It is important that the space be dedicated to your business, and so it's not the kitchen table, um, unless the kitchen table is the only thing you ever do there is work on your business. Uh, so it can't. It doesn't have to be a physical office, but the space has to be dedicated to your business. There's also sort of a uh, a factor of like how how many months during the year did you actually use it? So, so let's say it's a seasonal business. It can be dedicated, but if it's seasonal and you only work there during the summer, then you sort of have to cut that 10% then by the amount of months that you actually used it. So does that make sense? It's a lot of math. <laughs> so is taxes. Yeah. <laughs> So, uh, PT, tell us, man. We, we've done a, we've had a good conversation here about taxes and kind of laying the foundation of the, the at least the groundwork for our taxes going forward as new entrepreneurs. Um, yeah. I would like to learn a little bit more about FinCon. Yeah. Now, I've only been to FinCon once, and it was a great experience. I went at the behest of Sarah, 
And also as co-promoter of another conference myself, PodFest, uh, we had a booth there at FinCon and, of course, talking to people to potentially come to our event as well. Uh, but tell us more about FinCon, how it got started and and what it means to the financial creator uh, community. So back in the day, I was a personal finance blogger. Uh, I still am. have that site at ptmoney.com. And on that journey, I met other content creators online. Uh, we needed a space to come together and share ideas, meet, meet brands, kind of have an industry conference. And so that's what it's become. We've grown it through the years. It's a great group of people that are helping people with their finances on a regular basis. And so we get to serve them with a really what's become a digital marketing conference. So a place for them to sharpen their content creation skills and come together under one roof. So uh, we've, we're in our 13th iteration. Our next one will be in Atlanta in the fall of 2024. Wow, I, I didn't realize it was 13 years. Wow, that's yep. amazing. Congrats. 13 years strong, yeah. Um, but a great community to serve. And I've, uh, I've got a great events team behind that business that puts on the show every year, but really it's the community that comes together that really has a big abundance mindset, collaborative mindset, um, and that is interested in basically helping folks achieve financial freedom and independence in their lives and uh, comes together sort of collectively under that mantra. Yeah. Yeah. yeah FinCon has always been one of my favorite events and we, we were just together at the conference down in New Orleans, the AFCPE symposium. And I was there just on my own, but you had a booth. So I spent half of the conference at your booth talking to attendees and I would talk up the conference and I'd be like, and in case like you think uh, like you're not fully convinced yet, I don't work for them. He's not paying me to say this. I just felt like I, there was an open chair. I get to sit down. I'm going to tell you how great this event is because it's just it really is. And the community is amazing. And Every time I go, it's like a little, I mean, we say this all the time about PodFest and Outlier, but a little family reunion. I get to see all the people that I haven't seen uh, since the last conference. And everyone is always, they just want to help other people and collaborate. There's no competition. And like, how can we help everybody else do great things? So yep. it's just, it's such a great event. Well, thanks for yeah. that, Sarah. I appreciate you. And even just being there one time, I kind of got that feeling as well. Uh, you know, I, I do a lot of conferences, speak all across the country at podcasting conferences and creator conferences and AI conferences, you name it. And there's very few that feel like what I would call a community. But mm -hmm. even in my single appearance there, and it wasn't an appearance by attendance, uh, I didn't speak there or anything, but uh, just being there, I felt that same community type vibe. And mm -hmm. the people that I connected with and talked to and interacted with, it just it just gave that community vibe off, which is super, super cool and super, super rare in a conference type environment. So yeah. good job on providing that community for everybody. Yeah, thanks. I think it has a lot to do with the fact that our subject matter is still a taboo in our society. Right. People don't want to yeah. uh, necessarily talk about open up about their money or, or share ideas about it. They're afraid they'll be judged by it. They're afraid sure. they're they'll seem ignorant of it. Um, and and uh, so when we get together. It's uh, it's 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 like uh, we have permission to have those conversations with each other. Finally, we're the people we're the weird. I always call them the weird people on the Internet who like to talk about money, you know. Yep. Um, so when you get them in a room, it's like, cool, we can actually have these conversations versus like bothering my wife or spouse with it or bothering a neighbor with these topics, you know. Yeah. And you actually have a new event coming up, too. You've branched into the travel industry. Yeah. Yeah. 
so the FinCon team is going to take on TravelCon in May of 2024. So uh, it's been an existing event in place, uh, another creator event that serves travel creators. And so we're going to be running that event uh, in Portland in May. And uh, it was uh, Matt Kepnes who founded that event, Nomadic Matt. And he said, you know, here you go, PT, take it and run with it. Um, and so he's got other fish to fry and we're going to uh, we're going to take the event and, and move it forward. So, yes, the team and I have expanded into two uh, events, a sort of a spring and fall deal. I've also got the CPA firm I'm trying to get off the ground. So there's a lot going on right now, um, but I'm excited for it. I'm here for it. That's super cool. Tell me more about TravelCon because Sarah's the world traveler. She's got the tattoos to yep. prove it. But me, <laughs> I literally just got my passport for the very first time uh, this year. And oh. I still 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 haven't used it. Uh, the the trip that we were planning <laughs> fell apart. But ah. uh, yeah, so tell me about TravelCon. What, what is that all about? And what's the audience that you're looking for there? Sure. Similar to FinCon, it's, it's content creators. So it's anyone who's has a podcast, a YouTube channel, a blog. But instead of finances, the focus is on travel. So whether you're budget travel, uh, luxury travel, rewards, um, and some kind of uh, adventure travel, whatever it is, or just traveling with your family. If you're showing that off online, creating content around it, and that's kind of brewing up a little business for you or a big business, uh, we're the conference that's going to help you do two things. We're going to take you on a journey uh, from part-time content creator to full-time. And then we have a second track dedicated to scaling up. So if you already are a full-time creator, we're going to help you scale up that operation and turn it into sort of a bigger business idea, potentially with a <clears throat> with a team and creating more freedom for yourself. So uh, it's really business-focused, very marketing-focused. Uh, we'll have brands there. We'll have the destinations there. So you could come and if you're a creator who likes traveling around and sort of being hosted by destinations when you get there. Yes, please. The, those destinations will be there and you can work out a deal with them to, you know, to come to their city or their state or whatever it is and showcase them and be compensated for it. So that's kind of how the industry works. Uh, uh, there are a few travel agents there that are content creators. Uh, there'll be authors, um, people who work for sort of travel tech um, solutions. But for the most part, it's just people who, who are passionate about sharing their experiences with travel and what they're doing online. And in some way they figured out how to attach a business to that, you know, and that business part is what we're going to help them expand. The dream. Dude, that is so cool. And, you know, it's, it's kind of a testament too, because, you know, we're heavily involved with PodFest. Uh, you, you've got FinCon. Now you've got TravelCon. And we see all these content creator cons or conferences that are out there. And it just speaks to the power uh, and the opportunity uh, yeah. being a content creator slash entrepreneur today, especially it's, it's really interesting. Cause I was, I'm a huge fan of think media and Sean Cannell. And, uh, I was watching an episode of the think media podcast. I think it was yesterday, maybe day before. And, uh, Patrick bed, David was on there and Sean was inter right. uh, interviewing PBD. And they were talking about the power of how content creators now more than ever, we've got the platform, we've got the voice, we've got the opportunity to get out there and not just make an impact, but make a career mm -hmm. out of what we love to do. And right. it's so super cool to see you doing that in the finance space and in the travel space. And it's just, it's just such a tremendous time to be alive right now. If you're a creative uh, and you've got, regardless of what your interest is, you can yep. create content and be an entrepreneur and leveraging some of your insight and your tax methodologies there 
you can you can be successful. Well, thanks, Larry. Yeah, I'm bullish on it too, man. Um, I I think this is uh, I think this is the future. My kids, they're kind of the tw- they're tweeners, and they talk about how that's what they want to be when they get older. Is a is a creator, yeah. you know? They they've got their YouTube channels they follow. They don't watch real TV. And, and, yeah. and, and, you know, that's, that's kind of the future they see themselves in, you know, is, is sh- sharing what they're doing online. So I'm bullish on it. I'm honored to be serving these communities because they're entrepreneurs. You know, most people that come to my shows, they pay their own way. You know, it's not like mm-hmm. someone, some, someone sending them there or something like that. I mean, they're really investing to be there. And so that's a cool customer to, to get, you know, in the event space. Yeah, I used to get someone sending me there and then I decided to be an entrepreneur and now I have to pay for it. And I did not think this through. (laughs) (laughs) Go ahead, PT. I was going to say, at least you get to deduct that expense now. You know what I'm saying? There you go. There you go. (laughs) I mean, we're sitting here celebrating the opportunities that we have. And Sarah's over here going, yeah, it sucks. I told, okay. I said from the beginning, I never wanted to open to run a business. (laughs) (sighs) And I still, I'm just like, I probably made a mistake. You definitely did not make a mistake. You're crushing it. And I appreciate the opportunity to have you as a a co-host and a partner here in what we're doing. So really amazing. Oh, he said nice things about me. Yeah, it's not often. So take it and run with it. Uh, But BT, man, thank you. (laughs) Thanks. We really appreciate you being here with us, BT. Tell everybody where they can reach out to you. Find out more about FinCon. Find out more about uh, TravelCon. Find out more about your your practice. Uh, Just tell everybody where you're at. Yep. Best place to hit me up is on either Twitter at, at PT Money or on LinkedIn. And you can just search for PT Money or Philip Taylor on LinkedIn and you'll spot me on there as well. So those are my favorite two platforms right now. Um, yeah, but love to connect with anyone in the in the audience who's interested in either event or is interested in uh, being one of our beta test versions for our tax and bookkeeping clients in the future. We're, we're opening the doors to that in the coming weeks. And so, yeah. Sarah, did did I win you over for that? Uh huh. You mean I don't have to do it? Okay. <laughs> I don't want yeah. any of my friends or associates seeing my books. So uh, <laughs> true. Uh, but anyway, that, that explains the IRS letter now. Yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent. Yeah, <laughs> it, it was deserved, I'm sure. <laughs> So, well, PT, thank you, man. We really appreciate you coming on here, providing a tremendous amount of value on this particular episode of Branded. And for those of you listening and watching, if you found some value in this episode, do us a huge favor. Just go ahead and hit that subscribe button so Sarah and I and our amazing guests like PT can continue to bring you this amazing content each and every week right here on Branded. And with that, I'm Larry Roberts. I'm Sarah Losey. And pay your taxes, people. slots you can get lucky just about anywhere dearly beloved we are gathered here today to has anyone seen the bride and groom sorry sorry we're here we were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time no lucky land casino with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry in that case i pronounce you lucky play for free at luckylandslots.com daily bonuses are waiting no purchase necessary void were prohibited by law 18 plus terms and conditions apply see website for details